to the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. Have you ever wondered how people succeed in real estate and what steps they took to get there? If so, this podcast is for you. Your hosts, Sayla and Eileen Prack, interview top experts in the real estate community to share with you their real estate journey and how they achieved massive success. Our goal is to provide you with valuable real estate resources and to help you apply it to your own real estate goal. Welcome to today's episode of the How Did They Do It Real Estate Podcast. I'm your host, Eileen Prack, and today our guest is Jesse Stump, and he is an avid real estate investor and founder of Seville Properties, a property management company in Catonsville, Maryland. And with the goal of financial freedom in mind, he began developing a diverse portfolio of residential, commercial, and multifamily properties throughout over a decade, actually. And through this, he was able to reach his financial freedom number in 2022. Congratulations on that, Jesse. I'm super excited to have you on the show. Welcome. And how are you doing? Uh, Yeah, first of all, thanks for having me. I'm doing very well and uh, excited to be here. So Jesse, can you give us a little bit more of an insight into your background and how you got started with real estate? Yeah. So back in 2013, uh, my wife and I were living in a small uh, house uh, on the other side of town from where we are now. We had just had our first child and we're starting to look for you know, a bigger uh, home in a better school district like a lot of folks do. And as we were looking, we stumbled upon this kind of quirky home that had basically, if you can envision like a 1950s rancher with like a 2006 apartment bolted on top of it. I mean, it was just kind of a bizarre house. So it sat on the market. And uh, as we really started looking at it, we loved the location. Um, the wheels started turning about the possibility for renting that apartment out. And at the end of the day, we were able to purchase that property, uh, move into a bigger house in a great school district, and you know drastically reduce our living expenses by renting that apartment out. And you know that really was kind of the light bulb for the power of real estate uh, that got us really started on the path. So after you bought that apartment and you moved into your bigger bigger property now your family is growing what did you do afterwards and did you continue to buy properties or did you kind of hold off for a little bit as things were settling down what did you do afterwards so we after a few years i mean we had kind of knew that that real estate investing was something that we were going to uh, engage in and after a few years of going through all the pain of you know acquiring a down payment. We bought our first true investment property in 2016. We had held on to our, our other home as a, as a rental, um, the, the first home we moved out of. So we bought a property and you know, put 25% down, single family home, renovated it. And you know, it, it was a decent cash flowing property for us. And yeah, after we experienced that, you know, we're getting a couple hundred dollars a month in cash flow, just realized like this is going to take forever if we continue at the rate that we were. And so started to really do some investigating uh in the area on potentially some properties that had some higher cash flow possibility. We ultimately stumbled upon a property that had an apartment on top and a commercial space down below. And you know, we had never done the commercial thing, but we really knowing that the residential piece and realizing that that property would pretty much break even if just the apartment was rented, you know, we felt comfortable enough to kind of take the leap. And yeah, so that kind of really got us going into more multifamily, multi unit to try to ramp up the cash flow just to speed up the process a bit. And so that's really what we started doing for the next decade. So did you that? 
investment property that you had the apartment above, the commercial down below, did you self-manage it on your own then? Correct. Yeah, it was a number of years we self-managed and we're just bootstrapping it, right? Running around, picking up checks and dealing with all the normal stuff that landlords deal with. So yeah, we did start out self-managing. Learned a lot of lessons along the way. Still learn all the time, but definitely in those first couple of years, learned a lot of lessons. So for renting out the apartment space, it was pretty straightforward because you had already rented out another space prior to that. So you had experience in that aspect. But for the commercial side, finding a person or a company or a business to lease it out from you, how did you go about finding um, someone to lease out the commercial space? And what kind of process did you have to go through? Yeah. And so for that property specifically, one of the reasons why we felt comfortable is that it was a tenant that had been there a long time. They're uh, a local residential cleaning company. They're a pretty well-known fixture in town. And so we felt pretty comfortable that that they were a solid lock to be there for a while. Um, you know, as we've grown in the commercial uh, realm, I mean, it is definitely very different um, placing commercial tenants. Uh, that that tenant is actually still still there. They've been there probably close to a decade now. But yes, there are definitely plenty of nuances to finding commercial tenants versus res- residential. As you were managing it, what was the biggest difference between the managing the commercial side versus your actual residence? It is definitely unique in managing commercial versus residential. You know, it's all about what folks' desires are for the property, right? They have a different list of of wants. You know, they want a place that's going to be clean and well maintained. It's going to be safe because they've got customers coming in. They've got employees. Um, they want to make sure that their business can operate uh, properly, right? So for this specific tenant, parking was a big issue because they've got a fleet of vehicles that need to get in and out. So snow removal is much more important. So just with any business or any rental situation, it's just really understanding what the tenants' wants and needs are and figuring out how to best meet them there. Certainly businesses, yeah, like I said, have different sticking points, pain points, desires for properties than, than a residential tenant who's this is their home, right? It's going to look a little different. But at the end of the day, it's just understanding what are the must-haves for this property, for this tenant, and making sure that you're meeting them there. Did you ultimately know that you're going to start up your own property management company down the road? Or did that kind of organically happen as you continue to build out and expand your portfolio? Yes, that's a great question. So there was a point a number of years ago when things were just getting a little crazy. You know, we had folks messaging us and, oh, there's a rent checks on my desk. And, you know, there's just we're running around like crazy. And I just said, we need to make this treat this like a business. This is no longer a side hustle or a hobby, right? This is we need to be more professional. And so, yeah, a number of years ago, we started just putting the systems in place to treat it like a business. Air gapping myself from the day-to-day as much, right? So not taking every phone call, not picking up every check, all, all the stuff that we were doing when we were bootstrapping it and started to put those systems in place. Yeah. And over a couple of years, building out those processes and really just seeing the benefit that it was for both us as the property owner and then also for the tenants as far as electronic payments, electronic leasing, all the conveniences that we were able to provide, uh, what a better experience that was for them. We started to really look at, hey, we could offer this as a third-party service. And so that was 
I would say it, it happened organically and developed more out of a need for us individually. But then as we built that out, we realized that this could be a really great service and save owners a lot of the headaches that we dealt with early on. So I also want to touch on you were able to achieve your financial independence in 2022. Walk us up to the point where you realize you've gotten to the point where now you're financially independent, you're at a good spot. What were the steps that you had to put into place to get up to that point in time? Yeah, it took a decade. So it was kind of, you know, after a number of years, realizing that that was something that was going to be possible as we acquired properties, just coming up with like, hey, this is our if worst case scenario, bare bones, like if we had to strip everything back, like what would be a number that we could live on as a family? And then we had kind of a middle of the road, like this wouldn't be a great situation. We could cut out like maybe the Netflix and some of the discretionary things, but we feel that this could be comfortable. And then we had kind of a conservative number that was like, if we could just say like, hey, we feel totally comfortable. And those were the kind of the numbers and those numbers never really changed. And it just became a goal. And so the properties that we pursued had cash flow targets, right? We didn't, we never wanted to have a thousand doors that were making a hundred dollars a door, right? I mean, that just for me, that sounded terrible. So we tried to find properties that could give us a really good bang for your buck, both, you know, with capital invested and then also time. I do a lot of the work myself. I've got an engineering and construction background. So a lot of our properties are value add and, so yeah, it really just became, hey, here's the goal and let's see how quick we can get there. And uh, that was uh, took us about a decade. <laughs> Did you set out a time period? Like when you were looking at your goals and trying to figure out, you know, how are we going to get there? Did you put a... Did you look at it from a point of how many years is it going to take to get to that point? Or did you look at how many doors and the cash flow to take to in order to get to that place? Like which one came first for you as you were making that decision, as you were trying to figure out the plan, you know, to get you to that financial independence spot? Yeah, it was a bit organic. I mean, we we had the number that we felt comfortable with, but I never wanted to force anything. And so much I wouldn't say luck, you know, but it's you got to find the deals, right? And so we never wanted to force things. So there would be times when we would buy two properties, three properties in a year. And sometimes we're almost a whole year had gone by and we hadn't got acquired a property. And so there was a piece of it that was just like stick to the plan, stick to the cash flow target, like stick to the financials and just we'll see how quickly it, you know, it comes to fruition. I had in my mind, I was like, yeah, by the time my kids go to high school, that'd be great. And then I, the 40 became like another one. It's like, Oh, maybe by 40, that would be, you know, and so they kind of evolved, but really it was sticking to the numbers and then just trusting that if we just keep filling the funnel with opportunities and and running numbers on deals that eventually good quality deals are going to shake out that are going to get us there over time. So have you been able to get where you are today through investing individually on your own by utilizing, you know, your reserves, cash or, you know, other investment properties that you had to get to where you are today? Or did you also have partners to help with, you know, purchasing the bigger properties and and things like that on the financing side? I've partnered a handful of times, mostly minority partners like a 70/30 type split. We've definitely leveraged value add and properties to either pull out equity or selling a property. By and large, it, it was 
deals that we were able to finance ourselves and in capital that we're either raising through W-2 or through leveraging properties that that we're selling. Are primarily, are all your properties in the Maryland market? Yeah. So the, all of my properties are like, you can run to them. Uh, that's kind of, that was one of my really not concrete rules, but it's like, I'm a big runner. So it's properties that are very close that I can keep a good finger on the pulse, make sure things are going well, that I can get there on a run. Right. Um, so yeah, they are all very close. And that was also, um, you know, when you expand your market, you know, there's a lot more opportunities for deals and we have very kind of a niche market. And and that was just something that we decided we wanted to invest in our community. We love it. We know the businesses, we know the great streets and the great neighborhoods. And so we just made ourselves experts in our area. And so that was really where we focused. One of the things also right now is the current real estate environment right now, There's deals are harder to come by. And a lot of people, now they really need to focus and hone in on the property management and operation side and really, really get down to the nitty gritty details and be really specific on property management, upkeeping their properties. For you, what are some of the biggest things that you've seen, you know, working on your properties and other people's properties as well that, you know, people tend to overlook as they're managing properties? We love hosting this show. When we started this podcast, we were doing all the editing and post-production ourselves. Now we are very excited to have this particular company as a partner of the show to do all the post-production for us because it gives us the freedom to focus on the two things we care about, serving you, our listener, at a higher level and growing our own multifamily business. If you are like Sayla and me, then you want to add value to others while scaling your business. A podcast is the best way to do both, and we invite you to contact Adam Adams. He can help you launch your podcast, market your show for more listeners, and take all the post-production off your plate so you can focus on your business instead of in it. Listeners of this show can get a free consultation with Adam. To schedule your free consultation, find the link in the show notes. Yeah, I mean, we are definitely coming out of a period where there was just tons of deals. Any property owner could buy a property and literally run it into the ground. And then four years later, still have this asset that is appreciated like crazy, you know? And so certainly in, in this market, you know, I think the operations, like you said, is it's critical you know, commercial properties specifically are valued based on function of their rent roll, right? Their gross rents and the expenses. And so for us, continuing to raise rent rolls by, you know, investing in the property, targeting tenants that are going to be a great fit for the property, and then just continually to look for opportunities, to reduce expenses, you know, with inflation, another piece, right? Expenses, utilities are higher. And, you know, so we've really looked at things, HVAC upgrades that we can do to, uh, you know, provide electric mini splits on the tenants meter versus having a central antiquated boiler serving a property, things like that, that both provide a convenience and a comfort for the tenant, but then also can help the overall, you know, operating expenses of the property. Uh, we, we constantly look for those in our own properties and then also in the properties that we manage. So within your portfolio, what other asset classes do you like to focus on as well? So we have a very diverse portfolio. We have, you know, residential, we've got retail, we've got a uh, manage a property that's, you know, got an ice cream shop that's been there 30 years. We've got some self-storage, standard office space. Yeah, you name a yoga studio. Like so we it's very diverse. 
It's one of the things we love about our town. It's a lot of old historic buildings that have been, you know, converted multi-purpose type space. So yeah, our portfolio is, is very unique and you know, one of the things that that really how that really served us in our property management company is we just from Jump Street had a really good experience across a wide array of uh, you know asset types and then to a tenant base. How did you when you're looking at different opportunities because you have so many different asset classes and and different asset classes within your portfolio? How did you decide which new asset class you were going to add to your portfolio as those opportunities came about? Yeah, it was less focus on the asset class and more on just the opportunity. You know, I'd like to think that I've developed an ability to just see value in places where other people may overlook. And so that value may come in interesting, you know, one 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 place we purchased uh had it was an old barbecue restaurant many years ago. And uh it had the remnants of a commercial kitchen. And so we ultimately renovated and you know built this shared use commercial kitchen that food trucks utilize. Never something I set out to do. Didn't have a ton of experience, had some experience in with the health department and that type of thing. But we saw an underutilized space that could provide a lot of value, could be something that was really cool for the community. And so we tend to focus more on, you know, looking for undervalued assets versus the specific asset class. So as you're doing your analysis on those different opportunities, what type of process you utilize or what kind of things you think about as you look at the costs and opportunities um, that go in with uh, uh, purchasing an opportunity like that? So I tend to look and focus on the things that I know are certainties, right? You know, on a property like the one we talked about, it was a with the commercial kitchen that also had the 30 year well established ice cream shop on it. It had a yoga studio that had been there for eight or nine years. It had a vacant space. It had a half acre lot in this very dense kind of urban area, which was this huge lot that could be certainly used for something. We tend to just look at the things we know for certain, right? We have a kind of some cornerstone tenants there. And then when you have a confidence level or comfort level, kind of like that mixed use residential commercial, right? It's like, hey, if I know if I can land this residential apartment, keep this occupied, like we're at break even, right? So that kind of covers your basis. Then everything else, the value add from there is all, it's just benefit, right? That's all just cash flow. So yeah, it was really looking at the financials with the existing tenants, having a comfort level with who was there. And then kind of opening our eyes to just the different ways that we could improve the property, make it a better place, make it more attractive for tenants. And then, yeah, coming up with creative ideas ahead of, you know, like a shared use kitchen. You can do a lot more dollar per square foot rent in a shared use space. So, and there was a need for it in our community. So that became a cool opportunity. So hopefully that makes sense. But yeah, just I think it's very important, you know, to have run your numbers based on things that you have confidence in, experience in. And, you know, if it makes sense from that perspective, like the value add opportunities, you can be as creative as you want, but you certainly don't, you know, I would have not purchased the property knowing that it was only going to float if the commercial kitchen was a success, right? Because that was not something I had done. How about from the financing side of things? If, you know, if you were getting into an asset class that was unique to what you were already have experienced on getting into. And as you're looking to place financing on it, did you run into any issues with getting debt or placing that on the new asset classes? So 
commercial financing specifically is much more relationship based, right? If they want to have a comfort level with your track record and hey, has this individual shown that they have the ability to acquire a property to get the deal done and then to get it stabilized and, and operate it well. So, you know, that is one aspect of it, but there's also many creative ways to finance that specific property that we we're talking about was seller financed. And so if you've got an owner who's ready to get rid of the property, uh, it's an oddball property. There's some vacancy, right? Like that's not a deal that I could have probably floated to a standard commercial lender because the debt service coverage ratio, right? Which is your ability through current rents on the books to cover that debt service, it wouldn't have floated. And so that was something, a conversation I had with the owner, like we want to pursue this, you know, is seller financing something that would appeal to you? Cause we're going to have a hard time financing this conventionally. And just like understanding tenants, what their needs are, a seller trying to understand what their wants, goals are. Maybe they don't want to just totally cash out and a monthly income stream is appealing to them. Right. And so finding that stuff out, Really, you know, you can come up with some creative ways to to acquire assets, especially those that at first pass don't make a lot of sense from a you know debt service standpoint. Where is the best place that you've found to be able to find different opportunities? For us specifically, because we target our local market, I mean, I think just as a general recommendation, any market that you're targeting, I think you just got to become an expert in it, uh, especially as things have become so competitive really trying to find a competitive advantage as a buyer by knowing the market better than these large syndicates or out-of-town investors uh, who can just throw money at properties. If you can be the first one there, if you can yeah, approach a seller before they even want to sell the property, those types of things are how we've had success. We're you know, generally not successful on the MLS or once something goes up you know, to auction or the like, that's not how we've acquired our properties. It's just in knowing our market very well and yeah, just having conversations, letting folks know that you're interested and seeing if there's anything you can figure out to make it a win-win for both of you. So what's next for you, Jesse? Yeah, so we're really have been excited and about growing our property management company. It's been a lot of fun to really just help leverage these lessons learned that we've developed along the way to help homeowners or commercial property owners uh, manage their properties well. You know, these systems that we have, they've done really well by our properties. We still manage all our properties with the same systems. And so it's been great kind of building that portfolio. And ironically, it's also been as diverse as my individual portfolio. We manage two post offices now, obviously my, more of my unique properties, but we do you know, enjoy just interfacing with homeowners or property owners and helping provide them with value in the same ways that the property management company has done for our properties. What kind of system or what was the biggest challenge on setting up a system that you have where you're not just managing one type of asset class, but several different types? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely investing in um, platforms that are scalable, that are not just cookie cutter. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously, you would imagine we've got lots of different lease types, right? Managing those different types of leases and yeah, different tenant types, different marketing types, right? You're marketing a commercial property different than residential. And so because my portfolio was all already very diverse, the way we built it had to suit our own individual needs. And then by default, 
we've got self-storage leasing and we've got that whole thing figured out and commercial properties, no problem, office space, retail. We, we were already kind of doing that. So it was a, you know, by necessity, we, we had to figure out the systems and leasing that was going to work for all of it. And so that was really the foundation for the property uh, management company. And that, that really has served us as we've been able to market to, uh, you know, kind of a wide array of property owners. And how has real estate investing impacted your life? Yeah. I mean, obviously the financial freedom thing we talked about, I just really enjoy it. I enjoy the people. I enjoy investing in our community, working and and helping improve the businesses that operate out of our properties. It's been very rewarding. And beyond just the financial implications, I like what we've been able to do in the community by yeah, creating these properties that add value yeah, not just financially, but just to the community as a whole. And what a great place to be in also, because I can only imagine as you're driving down the street and you're with your child and you're like, <laughs> oh, we uh, we manage this one or we own this property here down this street, you know, and then just being in that community where you're yeah. managing and you own the properties and being able to share that, um, that must be incredible too. Yeah, the the ice cream shop is certainly <laughs> their a, favorite. <laughs> uh, yeah, we passed by it on the way to. I drove to school this morning, and we passed by it, and it is frequently. Can we go there? <laughs> so yeah, it is fun from that perspective for sure. And what is the one thing that you know now about real estate that you wish you knew when you first started? Yeah, I don't have any regrets. Um, I you know definitely all of it was a learning lesson along the way. I mean, I think initially I underestimated how long it was going to take for us with the approach we had with doing, you know, saving up to put 25% down on a single family home. You know, that definitely a couple of years we spent not quite understanding the value in multifamily or multi-unit commercial to jump into that earlier. It probably would have helped speed things up. Though I I think the lessons that I learned on the single family residential definitely, you know, made that possible. So no regrets, but certainly that was something that evolved over time that had I known earlier on, I probably would have pulled the trigger sooner. And what is the one thing that sets the successful people apart in real estate? I think it's just persistence. You know, a big movie guy in Shawshank Redemption, he's got this line where he says, time and pressure. And for me, real estate investing, that's what it is. You know, it's not the quick you know, home runs, the quick flips, it's just time and pressure. It's, you know, making sure you you feel good about the numbers and targeting quality properties. And it's a long, a long game. And when you have these types of challenging seasons, like we're in right now, just not forcing things and just trusting the process. And Jesse, where can our listeners find out more about you and what you're doing? Yeah. So Seville Properties is our property management company. You can find us on Facebook or uh, SevilleProps.com. We love talking about real estate or if you're interested in just our property management services, we're investing in the Catonsville or really anywhere uh, mid-Maryland. We've expanded a bit with the properties that we manage. We're happy to talk. So yeah, feel free to reach out. Love to hear from you. Awesome. Jesse, thank you so much for being on the show today. I really appreciate all of your time. Oh, thank you. It has been great. And thank you for listening to our podcast today, brought to you by Bonavest Capital. We would really appreciate it if you can go to iTunes right now and leave a rating and written review. Also, please don't forget to subscribe so you can always get the latest episodes. You can also connect with us on Facebook, How Did They Do It Real Estate? We'd love to hear your feedback and any topics that you're interested in for future episodes. 
If you're anything like Sayla and me and believe that real estate investing is a great way to create passive income and build long-term wealth, check out our free apartment syndication due diligence checklist for passive investors at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Sayla and I created this checklist for ourselves as we evaluated different multifamily syndication opportunities as a passive investor. So we would love to share it with you so you can use it as a resource as well. Download your free copy today at bonavestcapital.com forward slash checklist. Lastly, to learn more about us, you can go to bonavestcapital.com and fill out the contact us page so you can speak to us directly. Nothing on the show should be considered as specific personal advice. Please consult your legal, tax, and real estate professionals for individualized advice.